Rinkwide Vancouver. For the second game in a row, the Vancouver Canucks go to overtime. Unlike the Boston game on Saturday where they came out on top, this time they fall to the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is Rinkwide Vancouver coming to you from the lower lobby of the Wall Center Hotel. Now, if you're looking for meeting or conference space in downtown Vancouver, the Wall Center offers 30 unique event rooms, from small conference rooms to the Grand Ballroom to the Constellation Floor, 34 stories above the city with incredible views and an outdoor patio space. Consider the Wall Center for all of your conference and event needs. Email sales at wallcenter.com. Jeff Patterson joined here in studio by Irfan Gaffar. Once again, we've got lots to talk about. A team that had a 2-0 lead, watched it get away on Saturday. Same thing happened here where the Vancouver Canucks got out to the lead on the Pittsburgh Penguins, but then kind of sat back. And despite some more heroics from JT Miller-Earth, it wasn't enough. And in fact, JT was one of the guys that was out there on the ice when Eric Carlson scored on a rebound a minute and 42 seconds into overtime. And the Pittsburgh Penguins kind of pull one out of the fire here, but full credit to them. They forced the issue in the third period, and they did it again in OT. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins hung around in the game. I mean, the Canucks had chances to bury them, but they didn't. And uh, yeah, they just let them keep coming back into this game and they were able to get out with them. The only time they led was the overtime goal and that's gonna, all that's going to matter on the stat sheet. But I mean, it was a fun hockey game, Jeff. I mean, we're going to get into it, but this game had a bit of absolutely everything. You had drama, you had some spectacular saves, you had shorthanded goals, you had penalties and you had, you had a little bit of everything. So can't wait to get into this one. Yeah, it had five Pittsburgh shots in overtime <laughs> as well. Penguins outshoot the Canucks 5-1. to one. Brock Besser had the chance on the doorstep, and give credit to Tristan Jari, was able to make that stop, his only save in overtime. Thatcher Demko was busy, faced a two-on-one, and then Connor Garland blows a wheel. That allows uh, some room on that left side. The Penguins attack the net. Uh, Lars Eller's shot was stopped. A spectacular save by Thatcher Demko, but the rebound to Eric Carlson and he makes no mistake, his eighth of the season again at 142, and that was it. And so the Vancouver Canucks, who had a lead after two periods of play, and how many times you're on rink-wide, have we trotted out that statistic? When they have the lead after 40 minutes, they have been remarkably good, although we have seen here uh, in the last month or so that some teams have been able to chip away and put a dent in that record, and the Penguins are the latest to do that. Lars Eller's 11th goal of the season midway through the third. A little bit unfortunate for Noah Juleson. He blocks a shot and basically incapacitated, but he can't get off the ice, wasn't able to fully defend. Thatcher Demko had lost his stick on that play as well. We've seen that a, a few too many times this year where Demko's had some trouble keeping his stick in his hand. Whatever the case, Eller off the bench as the Penguins were able to apply pressure, get a line change in, and Lars Eller with a snapshot through some traffic, his 11th of the season, and that tied the game at three. And really, there wasn't a whole lot to that third period. And I guess for me, a little disappointing uh, from the Vancouver Canucks, who looked so confident even when they were down or playing well the other night against Boston, and they ramped it up in that third period, the Penguins played at home on Sunday and then flew to Vancouver and arrived here late on their body clocks, late Sunday night here Pacific time. Yeah, they had a practice on Monday, but again, with a 7 p.m. Pacific time start, pushing well into the, the wee hours for them, but uh, had enough gas in their tank. And again, the Canucks have had an incredible season. Yeah. But they looked a little tentative, I thought, in that third period. And maybe they thought a 3-2 lead uh, would be enough. And that Thatcher Demko looked dialed in for the most part tonight. Maybe they felt that uh, he was going to be able to 
to prevent the Penguins from scoring again, but the Canucks got outshot 12 to 8. Obviously, the Penguins had to score, so they're forcing the issue, some score effects perhaps, but, you know, as I look through my third period notes, really very little in the way of offensive thrust from the Vancouver Canucks and very little when it came to legitimate scoring chances. Well, that was the story of the game for the Vancouver Canucks. In the first two periods, they were great. Elias Pettersson was unreal in the first period. I mean, he was a man on a mission. <laughs> I guess he must have heard all the talk <laughs> at some point around him. But, you know, he he definitely came to play. He was physical. You know, he he was making things happen. That line was, was very good uh, for the most part. And then they kind of get scored on. And then Pittsburgh ends up coming back into the game a little bit. And then you go into the third. And I think you're right, Jeff. Like, they th- might have thought that Demko was going to be able to save this one for them because he was so good in the first two periods of that game. But the unfortunate part is the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, as that team has kind of been the really weird Pittsburgh Penguins team. They don't really know what they are. I mean, you've kind of equated to Canucks teams of the past a little bit with some really high end star power in the twilight of their careers. But Lars Eller, a guy that, <laughs> you know, is, is always seems to be in the right spot at the right time, was able to get that one past Thatcher Demko to tie the game, send it to overtime. And then it was a complete fire drill in the Canucks end, obviously, to end it. I mean, Demko had to make three or four all world saves before that puck ended in the back of the net. So tough for Thatcher Demko and tough for the Vancouver Canucks. They're going to look at that third period back and say, there's absolutely everything from that period that we're going to need back as a group. Even soft, 10 games now have been decided in overtime. Mm-hmm. The Canucks have won five and lost five, and I suppose turnabout is fair play. Canucks went into Pittsburgh. Sid scored late, and, and then Elias Pettersson scored his second of the night. The Canucks won 4-3 to three, uh, on the road, part of that seven-game road trip in January. So the Canucks got a 4-3 win in Pittsburgh in overtime. Penguins come here and defeat the Canucks by that same score. But five on f- five and five now. Uh, in sudden death overtime for the Vancouver Canucks and their 0-2 in shootouts. So, uh, again, games that have gone beyond regulation, the Canucks have a losing record, which uh, maybe I sound like a broken record, but it does <laughs> surprise me. Uh, but, look, Pittsburgh's got plenty of star power. Ultimately, Eric Carlson, one of the guys that plays a ton for the Penguins, had uh, a lot of ice time throughout the night, uh, him and Chris Letang, and a bit of a mixed bag for both of them. Like, in the first period, Carlson is on the ice for the Hoaglander goal and then in the penalty box for Brock Besser's goal. But uh, he was on the ice when they needed him the most uh, in overtime. And Chris Letang gets walked by JT Miller. We'll certainly cover off that goal. That uh, again, the way that JT Miller has been going, you kind of figured that that might be the game winner, if not the turning point in this hockey game, but it wasn't to be. And, you know, I, I look for moments within these games A lot of talk coming out of the morning skate with this sort of split version of a power play, (laughs) and it converted. Brock Besser scores his 34th of the season, had the two-goal night the other night against Boston, so he's starting to heat up again. That's a good sign for him and and for the hockey club. Uh, They score on the power play there, but go one for four on the night, and I, I look to key moments within this hockey game. Or if they started the second period, on the power play with a 2-0 lead, a chance to absolutely put the hammer down. Didn't. Mm-hmm. And then Malkin tackled Miller late in the second period. They started the third period on the power play with a 3-2 lead and some momentum there. Again, failed to convert. And I thought both of those were key moments in this hockey game as we look back on the way things unfolded. Ultimately, a power play goal to extend their lead in either of those opportunities might have been a different story. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, didn't. And credit to the Penguins, who didn't look good early, 
maybe it was the travel and the time zone, whatever. They didn't have their footing. And you're right, full credit to the Canucks. Like, yeah. That looked like a continuation of what they did and what they accomplished against the Boston Bruins. But it was really from the point that they got that 2 nothing lead that I thought they were a little more passive than we're used to seeing. And there were some interesting performances that we'll dig into when we get under the hood in terms of line combinations for the Vancouver Canucks and the way that they performed. Also, and where have we seen, penalty trouble, five on three, and that was a turning point of the hockey game as well. The Penguins had scored to make it a 2-1 game, and then Zadorov goes off, and three seconds into the penalty kill, Tyler Myers gets called for the high stick. So you got two defenders that would be out there as part of your penalty kill. Obviously, it didn't turn into the complete gong show that it did in Minnesota a week ago, but still, five on three with Sid and Gino uh, operating, it kind of felt like a matter of time, and ultimately it was Crosby to Raquel at the back door there and a, a simple tap-in for him. Yeah, I mean, the two bad penalties, too. Like, Zadorov behind the net, and then Myers, what are you doing? That's a penalty all day. You yeah. cross-check a guy in the face, you might get away with it if you're under six feet tall, <laughs> but I'm sorry, Tyler Myers is not getting away with that penalty, and you give the Penguins a chance to operate. You just mentioned Sid and Gino operating. They're more chance. Um, odds are they're probably going to score a goal at five on three. But yeah, I, I agree with you. You know that two nothing lead, and then it just kind of looked like they just sat back. They 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 didn't really take the game to the Penguins. In the third period, there were there was no jump from the team. You know there was no jump like that Boston third period. There really wasn't. And for a team that, as you mentioned, the Penguins came in on the travel, the, the late arrival on Sunday, they practiced on Monday, a late game on Tuesday. The Canucks should have been all over them, to be completely honest. And 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 they just weren't. Like, it was a good first period. It was an okay second, and it was a bad third. And then you go into overtime and take your chances, and you lose. And now we're sitting here talking about, you know, the Boston game being so far gone because of what you did here against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Canucks get a single point, and every point's yeah, a good it's a point. Yeah, it's a point. But... The win over Boston ended the losing streak, mm -hmm. but you wanted to build on that. And I, I don't know that you can say over 62 minutes that the Canucks, that, you know, it was a, a step forward despite the result here. Uh, they let this one get away. And so they're 1-4-1. One, and one. You know, that's one win in six games now for a team that I think thought that the Boston game might signal that things were turning back in the right direction. So, yes, it's three of a possible four points. They'll spin it that way and... And it is. I mean, three points out of these last four games, add them to the total. They still remain atop the Pacific Division in the Western Conference. But to me, there were some signs here that uh, this wasn't the Canucks at their very best. And I'll say it again, full credit to the Penguins for chipping away and doing what they had to do, hanging around, as you said, and then ultimately were able to strike when the iron was hot. The Canucks now 38-16-7. and seven. The record is still remarkable. The 83 points matches their season total from one year yeah. ago, and they've only played 60 of their 82 games. So we knew that they were going to surpass last year's total. That was never in doubt. Uh, but they would have liked to have uh, matched the 83 and then added one more in overtime. It wasn't to be for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, let's get to JT Miller because uh, the individual effort – uh, the Penguins scored the power play goal. It's 2-2. And they had wrestled momentum back. Building and got a little bit quiet. And then, as he has done just about every night out since the All-Star break, JT Miller puts his stamp on this hockey game with an incredible individual effort. Thatcher Demko, harder around the boards. Nice play by Elias Pettersson to chip the puck into the neutral zone. And then JT went to work and went to town. The hand-eye in the <laughs> neutral zone to get around Chris Letang, who didn't look all that interested in defending. No. 
but credit to JT. And then like just looked so confident as he walked in, picked his spot, and drilled it. And the crowd reacting right now, they can't get enough of this guy. By my count, he's been in on seven of the last nine goals that the Vancouver Canucks have scored. He has nine goals in 12 games since the All-Star break, so he has just been absolutely on fuego, and uh, that might have been his prettiest goal of the season. He's a monster, right? (laughs) He's third player in Canucks history with 80 or more points in three straight seasons. I mean, that's pretty good company. He basically just got here, to be completely honest, right? I mean, it hasn't been that long in his tenure as a Vancouver Canuck, uh, but, like, he means everything to this team. He... There, you know, talk about star players and superstar players and the good players that Canucks have. You go to Quinn Hughes, you go to Leo Pedersen, you go to Thatcher Demko. JT Miller is the heartbeat of this team. Like when he goes, most of these guys are going. He's a, he's an emotional guy, and sometimes, yes, obviously, you know, he lets it get to him a little bit too much. And I think he's been able to rein it in this year. But without JT Miller, Jeff, like where where is this team the, the last little while? Like where is this team going to go? And and. You know, he's a guy that's very important to this team. I mean, I saw some people tweeting about heart, you know, consideration. I, I, I don't think it's there yet. There's too many guys in front of him. They're having incredible seasons as well. But MVP of the team. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. At this point in the season. And he just, he takes it. He t- I think he's a guy that takes every single game so personally. Like whether, no matter what it is. I know playing against Pittsburgh probably means a little bit more to him. But all the other games, to be completely honest, like, Dude just comes to play, comes to go to work every single game. I, I still think that Quinn Hughes has been the season MVP, but I think the gap is narrowing, certainly since the All-Star break, and there are 20 games remaining here. Yeah. And if JT continues to play, uh, then I think uh, the race is on. And, and the fact that you can sit here and say, well, hang on, like, you know, Elias Pettersson's probably going to be a 100-point guy. Uh, Thatcher Demko's had this incredible season. And Brock Besser's scoring again. He's up to 30. Like The fact that there are that many legitimate candidates tells you that the kind of season that it has been for the Vancouver Canucks. So there was some good in this hockey game. Again, Besser scoring on the power play. The fact that the power play has scored in consecutive games after being so quiet there for far too long on that one for 28 stretch. So a four-on-three power play goal to win it against Boston, a conventional five-on-three or five-on-four goal, rather, uh, for the Canucks uh, in that first period. Love the shift that led to the opening goal, too. Marcus Pedersen makes a weak play, trying to clear the puck, and the Canucks pounced, and man, did they go to town. Uh, Hoaglander had that. I don't know how he missed the first chance, but stuck with it. The puck comes back to him at the side of the net and made no mistake the second time around. They have changed the second assist on that goal. Originally, it was awarded to Elias Pettersson. It's now Ilya Mikheyev. So Mikheyev uh, finds his way onto the score sheet, which hasn't happened uh, nearly enough. Didn't score a goal yet again. So the drought goes to 28 games, but was part of that shift. And Tyler Myers got the the primary assist there. Uh, There was just a lot. They attacked the net and kind of wouldn't take no for an answer. And I thought maybe that was going to set the tone for what was to come. And, of course, they did. They extended their lead, but it wasn't to be for the Canucks on the night. They lose the hockey game, but I did like a lot of that shift that led to the opening goal. Niels Hoaglander, every single one of his goals has come 5-on-5 this season, which is wild. 18 of them. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, it was funny. When I saw the power play changes (laughs) of the lineup, I looked and I said, Tyler Myers, I go, I don't know. I mean, you have a guy that scored 17 goals this season and he's not theirs, but, you know, lo and behold, you go and look and it is Nils Hoaglander that was there on that half wall on that power play. But yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, 
the thing is about that shift is that Mikheyev was so engaged too. So that was an encouraging thing to me. I mean, you, you heard his name a lot in this game. He does get the point. He had a couple of shots on net, which was a good sign for him to, you know, slowly start improving his play a little bit. But that's what you wanted to see from the Vancouver Canucks all game long. Just take it to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they did early and they did often. They just didn't do it when they when it mattered most. So there was some signs of life. You're yeah. right. From that Pedersen line with Hoaglander and Mikheyev, and they opened the scoring. We talked about Besser and the power play goal. And was that power play one or <laughs> power play two? Who knows? One A, one B. Yeah, it, it was hard to know. Uh, still not. I think the jury is still out. Even though Besser scored a power play goal, I'm still not sure that splitting all of your talent and trying to spread the wealth. Uh, I, I think as this team gets closer to the playoffs and in the playoffs, they're going to have to load up and they're just going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to get that first unit back on track now. So that was some of the good for the Vancouver Canucks. And I, I, I am happy for Brock Besser. Like he had gone a little too quiet there and I was starting to get concerned, but uh, the fact that he's scored in bunches again here and up to 34 again, I mean, very much on track for 40 plus. And that's uh, an incredible season, obviously for a guy who had never been to 30 before the national hockey league. Now, some of the bad. And this was really bad. Hmm. The line of Elias Lindholm yep. with Connor Garland and Arshdeep Baines. The shot attempts at five on five were 14 to three in favor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the actual shots at evens were nine nothing. They got skunked earth in terms of putting pucks at and on goal. That's a third line that has the guy they acquired from Calgary. They went yeah. out and paid a pretty big price to get this guy who's settled into a third-line role, which, again, I'm not sure I love the fact that they parted with the assets they did, but they're trying to get some strength down the middle. That should be an advantage for the Vancouver Canucks. They saw a little bit of Sidney Crosby, but they weren't hard-matched against Sidney Crosby in this hockey game, and, uh, and I'm not pinning it on any one of those three guys, but collectively, that ain't it. That was not working for the Vancouver Canucks. Well, I think that was the biggest thing, right? You can't pinpoint one. It was all three. They just weren't good, right? They got their lunch fed to them by the Pittsburgh, whoever they were playing against. Obviously, the shots were were massive in favor of the way of Pittsburgh Penguins at five on five against that line. And I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, Lindholm came here, ends up playing with JT Miller and Brock Besser, then gets moved to play with Elias Pettersson, and then kind of gets moved again. And then now he's like, okay, now he's a third line center guy. And he's going to get moved again when Joshua comes back. So what really is his role? And I get it. The, the, the travel of the All-Star game, the everything, the settling into your new city, there, a lot of that has to be taken into consideration. I mean, toward the end of March, when they have all those games at home, I, I'd like to see what Elias Lindholm is because of, you know, he's going to have some stability in his life right now. But your job is to go out and play hockey games. And you're, you're a defensive specialist or, or one of the guys that is better defensively. I mean, you're... You got smoked on the on, on the shot counter, and you didn't really do anything offensively either. So not just him, also R.D. Baines wasn't really good either. Um, the, the, the story's been incredible, but that line as a whole, I agree, Jeff, just wasn't good enough for that team tonight. Yeah, R.D. Baines, obviously in the spotlight, fourth game now in the National Hockey League, 13 minutes and 29 seconds of ice time, no shots, just one attempt. He got some power play time, two and a half minutes of power play time. Uh, didn't happen for him there. Uh, I'll continue to cut him some slack yeah. as a, a raw rookie in the National Hockey League, but I still think his best game was his debut in Colorado, and since then, there's kind of been a settling in effect. So, yeah, it wasn't a good night for that line. That's going to happen. You expect more. Now, 
this was a good news story, I suppose. And look, I've been, I think, as hard as anybody on the fourth line, whatever kind of compilation they've got. <laughs> and Neil Zaman's been the odd man out for the last couple of games. So Teddy Bluger has slid to the, the center spot on that line between DiGiuseppe and Lafferty. Uh, Rick Tockett the other day talked about needing an identity and wanting more from his fourth line. In terms of controlling the play and spending time in the offensive end, those guys absolutely crushed the assignment. The shot attempts were 16-2 to two for the Canucks' fourth line mm-hmm. at even strength. That tells you they had the puck, they were putting pucks on the net, they weren't defending an awful lot. You want to see that. But before we give them a ton of praise, <laughs> Teddy Bluger just turns that puck over in a 2 nothing hockey game where everything had gone the Canucks' way. Lafferty kind of lays it off, and I don't know what Bluger was doing or thinking. Puck moves to the middle of the ice, and uh, again, the Canucks had chances to clear, and Crosby sets up Raquel, but just a, a ghastly turnover. It was. like there, There's no other no. way to describe it. And so... A really good night over the balance of the hockey game, but still, you got to control the puck. Rick Tockett talks about wall work and the guts of the ice and all those types of things. You can't, especially when Crosby's on the ice, you cannot make that kind of mistake. And so, uh, quite a blemish on an otherwise fine night for D. Giuseppe Bluger and Lafferty. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you can even talk about the Canucks as a whole. They were great in the first period, but nothing matters if you lose a hockey game, right? Where suddenly no. you're talking about a loss, you do collect the point. And yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the the night was great for that line, but the turnover, right? And it was it was it was a comedy of turnovers, to be completely honest, in the second period for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, they just they had the they didn't really have the puck on their stick a lot. They they were giving the Penguins life. When the Penguins weren't really asking for it, the Canucks were just saying, here, take it, to be completely honest. You know, Raquel makes it 2-1. Crosby, 1,000th even strength point with an assist on that, which is just crazy in itself. But um, maybe they're able to find something. Like, the goodness out of that is they go back and they look at the tape and they say, okay, they were that good except for the one mistake. The problem is we're highlighting that one mistake as a turning point in the game because it did give the Penguins life. The single point keeps the Canucks atop the NHL standings. They got 83 points through their 61 games. Again, I'm not sure that the President's Trophy and finishing first is really uh, the primary goal. So when you look in the Western Conference, the Vancouver Canucks with 83 points, four better than both Winnipeg and Dallas. The Jets were winners and they've got four games in hand. So if you're looking at that race, both Winnipeg and Dallas with 79 points, but Dallas has played the same number of games as the Vancouver Canucks. The Winnipeg Jets have four games in hand. So you'd think that they will shrink the gap somewhat and maybe they reel the Canucks in altogether. Uh, As far as uh, the Pacific Division is concerned, Vegas with a big win in Toronto. So Vegas gains a single point on the Vancouver Canucks. Edmonton was idle. Los Angeles Kings, who are going to be here. Remember, the Los Angeles Kings are in the National Hockey yeah. League. Canucks will get their first look and their first crack at the Kings on Thursday. And the Kings will come in here, look at their wounds. They got swept in Alberta. They lose uh, 4-2 to the Calgary Flames. And also got some bad news on the injury front with Adrian Kempe being sent off the road. There's some real concern there about one of the Kings' top goal scorers. So uh, Los Angeles won't have the firepower that uh, it could if it was fully healthy. But uh, the Kings, they lose. So the Canucks, again, a single point at least on the Los Angeles Kings in the Pacific Division standings. Vancouver with 83, Vegas with 73, 
Edmonton Idol with 70 points and Los Angeles Kings with 68. The Calgary Flames beat the Kings and the, the Flames have won four in a row when it looked like they were fading and uh, so much trade talk around that Calgary Hockey Club and yet uh, four straight wins keeps them in the hunt. They've got some work to do still, but uh, the bottom hasn't dropped out there in Cowtown. So uh, we'll see how that impacts uh, what the Calgary Flames do here over the next 10 days ahead of that March 8th trade deadline. The Vancouver Canucks... Uh, again, they won't play now till Thursday when the Kings are here, and then they're back out on the road uh, starting on Sunday in Anaheim. 4-3, the Canucks fall to the Pittsburgh Penguins in overtime on Eric Carlson's game winner at 142, his eighth goal of the season from Lars Eller and Riley Smith. Jeff and Irf with you. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. The Penguins beat the Vancouver Canucks in overtime at Rogers Arena. Jeff and Earth with you here on Rinkwide Vancouver. You're going to hear from Rick Tockett, Tyler Myers. You'll hear from JT Miller as well. All the post-game audio on Rinkwide is a presentation of Mr. Lube, 100% Canadian, pioneers of the no-appointment oil change, and they're now providing tire service and sales with no appointment needed there. Either 16 locations in the Lower Mainland for one near you. Go to MrLube.com. Well, it sounds like we're talking bakery on his mind, uh, talking about turnovers after this hockey game. Did not like the way the Canucks protected the puck in the second period. Here's the head coach on all the turnovers on Tuesday night. Well, it was a lot of turnovers. We, we were self-inflicted turnovers. That's really what it was. They made some turnovers, too. It was a turnover fest in the second period. It was who was going to make the less turnovers, and they, got, they won. Yeah, turnover fest. That pretty much sums it up. I yeah. mean... Especially in that second period. Uh, it was sloppy hockey without a doubt. And uh, uh, I guess some foreshadowing of what was to come. Although we've been conditioned that the Canucks are going to find a way to to win these tight hockey games. Uh, wasn't to be the Penguins get the only goal of the third. And then the winner in overtime. And even there we saw some turnovers as well. Uh, Rick Tucker was asked though about that fact. That you know this team's been good about closing out games but we've seen that and we talked about it in the opening segment that uh, really since the All-Star break, we have seen, and not the All-Star break, but since the start of January, I suppose, we've seen uh, a handful of occasions now where the Canucks haven't been able to put a game to bed. Is the coach concerned about that at all? Well, I just thought there was some sloppy stuff, you know, um, detailed stuff. There was, you know, some guys looked tired out there, to be honest with you. But it was, uh, you know, even when we're up three to two on that, you know, we give them that goal, bad coverage. You know, um, yeah, I, I didn't think a lot of guys, there's a lot of average guys out there. You know, Millsy drove to play again today. I thought Millsy was great, you know, very, very good today. All right, a couple of things there. <laughs> <laughs> he likes JT Miller these days. Yes. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> no, I fair. know, but, but another name check of JT Miller on a night when the team loses. It is a team game. Like, do we read into that the... The fact that he names one guy and leaves uh, others unnamed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a little bit of a of a shot yeah. to some of his other players that aren't named JT Miller. But I mean, we get it; it is a team game. But he did stand out, and more nights than not, JT Miller is the lone Canuck that we're looking at and saying that was a good performance. And a lot of other guys didn't really have him. Quite frankly, I was here. He, he said they looked tired, which surprised yeah. me. Earth, they've just had their first two-day between-game break since the All-Star game. We've talked about this grueling schedule. This was supposed, like, again, the Penguins played Sunday and traveled. The Canucks were supposed to be 
the refreshed team or the fresher team uh, didn't look that way as the game went along. So I was surprised to hear the coach say that they looked tired. And look, I mean, that's his observation. But if they were tired, uh, a little bit of a surprise. I mean, they had Monday off. They practiced Sunday, but relatively quick and routine practice. So a little bit of surprise there. And also Friday after the Seattle game, I mean, the stars, the guys at the top lineup, they didn't practice. Some of the other guys were on the SN at UBC. So, look, it's a long season. I get that. But I'm surprised to hear the coach talking about fatigue. JT Miller, on the other hand, talking about maturity. And again, this team has grown by leaps and bounds over the course of the season. They've done a lot of good. But JT Miller saw some things in this game against Pittsburgh uh, that he did not like. We did not dominate the second period, I can tell you that. Maybe the last two, three, maybe three, four minutes, but um, that's the maturity level we got. That's the next level we're, we're trying to get to as a group is uh, when we're up 2 nothing at home. You know, that should be lockdown point. You know, we don't need three, four, five, and six goals at that point. And we let them back into the game and inevitably, inevitably won the game. So. And there's JT Miller talking about the fact that, you know, even though they are first overall in the National Hockey League standings, that there are things there from that game that absolutely they've got to find a way to clean up beyond the turnovers, too many penalties. We talked about that. Yeah, this was not a tidy game from the Vancouver Canucks. So coach wasn't thrilled with it. Uh, obviously, JT Miller was going good right now, but uh, even he not basking in yeah. the glow and the glory of his own. He was asked about the people chanting his name. I didn't hear it. Yeah. <laughs> didn't hear it. Well, that's the biggest thing, right? And, and JT Miller, like we've said, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he wants to win so badly. And you can see it in his comments when when they lose games. Okay, yeah, they were okay. But he said up to nothing, there's no way we should be losing that game, right? And, and it's true. And I, I think it's the mistakes. And he even spoke to it, the maturity. I think that they're, they're, they're still growing. Like this team is as good as they are, Jeff. They're still on nights like this. When you look at it, there's still a lot of growing that needs to happen with this group. Don't think there's any more growing for Tyler Myers. He's had <laughs> enough growing over the uh, years. Was he in on the scoring on the Hoaglander goal to open the scoring in this hockey game? We talked about that chance he had late in the second period that would have put the Canucks up 4-2. to two. Uh, Didn't happen. Uh, but uh, after the game, Tyler Myers was, was just asked for his thoughts, and uh, they turned immediately to the way the Canucks kind of let the Penguins off the hook in that middle frame. Didn't like the way we came out in the second. Um first 10 12 minutes i thought you know it was a good opportunity for us to really step on them and we gave them life uh you know we were throwing a lot of pucks in the middle a lot of turnovers we weren't getting pucks deep and we have to realize and we have to mature as a group that that's when we're at our best um we have some guys that can really skate and when we don't get pucks uh down low it it doesn't allow them to do that so um we got to grow as a group we gave uh you know, I felt like we gave them a point tonight, an extra point, and uh, just got to come together, talk about it, and uh, keep getting better. So there you go. You hear from Tyler Myers, you hear from JT Miller, Rip Tockett, sort of different ways of saying the same thing, that at 2 nothing and even at 3-2, to two, just had to be a little more diligent in the habits, and they were sloppy tonight, and it happens uh, they end up losing the game, but they do get a single point. So uh, one win in six. That's not ideal for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll see if they can be better when they host the LA Kings on Thursday. All of our post-game audio, a presentation of Mr. Lube. All right, into the uh, three-star selection now. And, you know, at times in this game, it looked like uh, there were going to be a handful of Canucks that would be the stars. But ultimately, the Penguins come all the way back. They win this thing. And so uh, the stars selected in the building by Sportsnet... Ricard Raquel, who had two goals, but 
I didn't think that he was particularly dominant. I mean, the five-on-three goal is a tap-in that uh, you and I uh, <laughs> would have had a chance at scoring. We'd have got to make the NHL, first of all. Yes. So that would be the hard part. But if we were in the NHL, stick on the ice, and Sid's going to get you the puck. I'm not sure that Ricard Raquel did a ton of heavy lifting, just eight goals on the season, two of them coming in this hockey game. But Raquel was named the first star, JT Miller the second. And hard to argue with Sidney Crosby, uh, again, uh, just his 11th game in Vancouver in the National Hockey League. Guys played 1,246 NHL regular season games, 11 of them I know. have come here in Vancouver. So Crosby gets the third star nod. Uh, we'll go a little bit different. Eric Carlson gets the winner. I didn't think it was a dominant performance by Eric Carlson, but the guy pulls it out of the fire in the end. Uh, played 25 minutes and 45 seconds, led all Penguins in ice time. And scores the game winner. So I'll give Carlson the nod as the first star. Thought Lars Eller was good through this game and tied the game, gets the primary assist on the winner as well. So certainly had a, a hand in the comeback for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I've got Eller as the second star. And just based on the goal alone, the fact that it was his 30th, but the individual effort, the hand eye, the confidence in the shot, uh, JT Miller's motor was going again for the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, third star here on Rinkwide, at the very least, J.T. Miller. So Carlson, Eller, Miller, the three stars. We leave Sid off the off the stars here on the podcast, but you know, Sidney had two assists, 19 minutes and 47 seconds of ice time, five shots on goal, seven attempts, and uh, took a ton of face-offs. Took 26 face-offs, won 13, and lost 13. And if you're wondering about J.T. Miller's individual numbers, a uh, goal and an assist, so two points for him, 21 minutes and 39 seconds of ice time, four shots, seven attempts, four hits, uh, giveaway, a couple of takeaways, a block shot, and 12 and 10 in the faceoff circle, so another very complete night at the office for JT Miller. Yeah, absolutely. I have no problem with those three stars. Eric Carlson's not the Eric Carlson of old or last year, but... You know, he still eats up minutes yep. for that team and on the ice and gets to scores the winner. And yeah, I mean, JT Miller, look, I mean, we're going to say enough about him. His coach obviously clearly loves him. <laughs> so uh, he's in the coach's good books, but uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see Jeff as, as we go down the road here and, and, and into the next couple of games, who the coach wants to see more from and who he was specifically talking about. Because, you know, in the meetings in the next in the days leading up to their next game, they're going to be talking about some stuff. So we'll see who comes firing on uh, Thursday night against the LA Kings. Yeah, Kings are next up for the Vancouver Canucks. They're going to see a lot of the LA Kings over the balance of the schedule. We've still got lots ahead here on Rinkwide. We'll get to a stat that stands out uh, from each of us. In fact, uh, we'll get to listener feedback, and I know a lot of you have things to say about this one, and then uh, we'll start to preview uh, the Canucks and the Kings, and that's when we'll have our next episode of Rinkwide Vancouver. So, uh, again, the three stars, Eric Carlson, Lars Eller, and JT Miller. You're listening to Rink-Wide Vancouver. Three, the Pittsburgh Penguins defeat the Vancouver Canucks. Sidney Crosby with a couple assists. Uh, didn't run wild on the eve of the 14th anniversary of the Golden Goal at what was then Canada Hockey Place. But uh, a win is a win in overtime. Sid's been through that a couple of times uh, in that building. Obviously, the stakes were a little higher uh, back then. This is a Pittsburgh team that uh, really isn't going anywhere uh, but they'll feel good about this as they continue on uh, on this Western Canadian road trip. 
breaking down this hockey game. Uh, Going to get into our listener feedback at Rinkwide Van and see what uh, you, the listeners, had to say about uh, this one from the Vancouver perspective. But before we do that, we always like to loft uh, a, a stat that stands out from the hockey game. And for me, we talked about the goal in great detail, uh, but the stat that goes along with it, 30 for JT Miller yet again. Nice round number. Uh, a bunch of guys hit round numbers on Saturday, whether it was Besser to 60 points and Hughes to 70. Uh, here's JT Miller with his 30th goal of the season, and he is on his way to that elusive 100-point season that got away from him a couple of years ago when he finished with 99. But uh, if he can stay healthy, I don't think there's much doubt that uh, he will be a 100-point player in the National Hockey League for the first time in his career. So congratulations to JT Miller getting to 30 on the season to go along with 51 assists, 81 points through 61 games, uh, 30 goals in today's National Hockey League. Uh, yeah, that's a stat that stands out for sure. No, absolutely. The Canucks have two of them, and they're probably going to have three of them, right? Elias Pettersson yep. on his way to get 30 goals as well. Uh, mine's the Canucks have three reg- regulation wins in their last 14 games. Yeah, which is a little bit troubling. Yeah. When you think of that statistic, it means that 11 of the last 14 opponents have taken something off the Vancouver Canucks and... You know, that makes it sound like playing the Canucks isn't quite the uh, the battle that it was early in the season. Teams maybe not fearing the Canucks, not showing them as much respect. Canucks play and performances dropped a little bit here. So, yeah, I mean, that uh, jumps out at me as well. Three in the last 14, three regulation wins. Uh, and one of them was against the Chicago Blackhawks. Or yeah. two of them against the Chicago Blackhawks. I'd have to go count backwards. Have to go count backwards, yeah. Because the Blackhawks were here on that homestand just before the All-Star break. So I would imagine that that statistic includes two of the three wins over the lowly Chicago Blackhawks. All right, let's get into our feedback channels at Rinkwide Van. Lots of people with lots to say about this hockey game. So uh, as we look at this one, Adam says, I'm not mad, just disappointed up two on a team with injuries and well out of a playoff spot. Should be something the boys can close out. And yeah, I mean... Look, we knew they were without uh, Jake Gensel. That's uh, been well-known for a while now. He's going to be out till the trade deadline. And Brian Russ got hurt the other day and wasn't uh, on the road trip. Or if that's two of the Penguins' top five scorers for a team that doesn't score an awful lot. Like, it was there for the taking for the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, again, I kind of feel like they let Pittsburgh off the hook a little bit. Justin says, too many penalties. And most of them were unnecessary. They weren't negating quality scoring chances. Yeah, I mean, you think of the 5-1-3, Zadorov, uh, leg sweep. Like, that was a trip any way you look at it. I think it was O'Connor that was behind the net, but uh, uh, had no problem. And then, as you point out, uh, Tyler Myers, you get the stick up right off the faceoff. Like, those are penalties. Brock Besser takes a, and Brock doesn't take many penalties, but a hooking call on Eric Carlson with seven minutes to go and a three-all tie. They were able to kill that one off. Canuck penalty kill was decent on the night. They give up the five on three, but otherwise four for five, and they score a shorthanded goal. So in terms of the damage done on Pittsburgh power plays, it was a push with the JT Miller shorty. I mean, this is becoming too much of a common theme after these games. You've heard Rick Tockett lament uh, on a couple of occasions recently, just too many penalties. It puts too much pressure on your penalty killers, puts too much pressure on your goaltender, and ultimately wants to see the Canucks show a little bit more discipline, certainly doesn't like the the stick penalties that uh, they have been taking here far too often of late. So uh, we carry on. Uh, some of the other 
response that we're seeing. Discipline is an issue now, says David. Even if they don't give up a penalty kill goal against, it does kill the offensive flow. Demko and Miller, great once again. And, and we didn't really talk an awful lot about Thatcher Demko and his night. Uh, I thought he looked big. I thought he looked positionally sound. At the end of the night, he gives up four, and I'm sure he won't be thrilled about that. You know, I'm not sure that there were bad goals in the bunch, but ultimately, uh, when Thatcher Demko's in goal, the Canucks want to believe that they've got an edge on whoever they're playing. Mm-hmm. Tristan Jari got shelled for six the other day by the Philadelphia Flyers. I was a little surprised, actually, that they came right back, but local guy uh, here in Vancouver, and uh, they gave him the nod, and, and he was good. Stops uh, 32 of 35. Overall, what did you make of, of Thatcher Demko's night? I thought he was solid when he needed to be. He made some spectacular saves, obviously, in overtime, but... I think that that's one of the reasons why the Canucks go went into the went into the period up a goal or went into the period up 3-2 and you look at it and say okay well Demko is playing the way that he is he was seeing the puck really well I said that to you before the third period started yep. that he was seeing the puck well and it didn't look like that he was probably going to get beat again but didn't look too fatigued at all and it's just the one unlucky one after making four saves in overtime can't expect him to make all of them there uh before the Eric Carlson just slides that one into the back of the net so I thought he was good uh, he needed to make some big saves, and, and, he, and he did. He looked calm in the net, didn't really look too out of place. So I don't really pin this one too much on the goaltender. No, made the breakaway save on Pustinen at 3-2 to two, right after JT Miller had scored the shorthanded goal. That could have been a, a turning point, uh, I thought, at the hockey, you know, as that game unfolded. Uh, also, and something that we didn't talk about, we'll get back to feedback here in a sec, but Tyler Myers at the side of the net from JT Miller late in the second period. Again, the Canucks up 3-2, to two, tried to get that fourth one, and they couldn't. And Tyler Myers uh, came close. Boy, did he come close, but uh, ultimately doesn't score. And that kept that door crack open for the Pittsburgh Penguins to, to come all the way back. And he says, one of the best games I've watched all year. Didn't love the third period from Van. Seemed to think the game was over once they got the lead. We touched on that, that uh, maybe there was a little bit of arrogance in the Canucks game. Travis says, disappointing loss with the undisciplined penalties, but I guess I'm glad they got the point. Miller continues to go beast mode. Absolutely. Colin says, didn't love the details throughout the game. Played some good stretches. Wasn't a full effort. Gotta get that power play going. That said, the OT points do add up. So, yeah. I mean, they leave with something, and and obviously that's better than nothing. But the power play remains, uh, you know, work in progress is probably being nice. Uh, I'll be curious to see what they do against the Kings on Thursday. Was this a one-off with this split look of the power plays? Uh, again, I don't think it's the long-term answer, but uh, maybe maybe we see it again. I, if they come back with it another game, not the end of the world to me. Yeah. But I did find it awfully curious to hear the coach. Like, it's one thing to split your best players. For the coach to come out after the morning skate and say, yeah, sometimes guys need to be separated and need a break. I was like, yikes. Like, really? What? I'm not even sure what to make of a comment like that from the head coach. Well, you hope that this is the break that they needed, right? <laughs> I mean, look, you're going to have to go. You're going to go into some big games where you're gonna, that top unit's going to need to be loaded up, right? Now, whether Elias Lindholm ends up being the fifth guy on that power play or it's Niels Hoaglander or it's, you know, for all intents and purposes, someone that they acquire down the road if if it ends up being that uh type of player they're gonna have to figure it out and the Canucks are lucky because they're in a position where they have all these points banked and they're not trying to desperately win hockey games and stay in the race they are the race teams are trying to catch them 
right? So it, it, it's a luxury that you have that you're able to go out and be able to do this and, and have some practice time to be able to work on things. But yeah, Rick Tockett's got to go back to the drawing board there and see what works. I mean, they did convert on it. So there is that, but it's not, it's not the long-term solution at all. Glenn in the inbox says the way Garland and Miller snapped their sticks after losing way too similar to last year. We saw some of that early on uh, the seven games right off the hop where they couldn't win and they flushed a bunch of leads. I haven't seen a ton of frustration again when you're 38, 16 and seven, you've, you've won a lot more than you have lost, but uh, yeah, like for Garland, you're getting an overtime opportunity. That isn't uh, an every night occurrence. And he loses an edge, falls down, creates uh, all sorts of wide open space for the Penguins to operate. So not putting the goat horns on Connor Garland necessarily, but not his finest moment. And I've seen a few of these in the inbox. You touched on, like, the ones that are saying, where's Petey? Uh, You know, he ends up with an assist on the Miller goal. That sequence in the second period, was it? The wraparound. And then the wherewithal to lift his stick over Eller and get his own rebound and fire it wide. And he's so demonstrative. Like, you know immediately when he knows yeah. he should have scored. And he was shaking his head there. But still, just the the quick strike from the, the wraparound, trying to create something out of nothing. And we've seen a bunch of wraparounds from him. Like, he's added that to his arsenal this year. It didn't work there, but created two chances out of Nothing, essentially. Uh, I thought in the first period, absolutely dug in. We talked about the struggles of some other lines in this hockey game. I Look, there have been some nights where it's fair to say, hey, needed more, where was he? All that kind of, I didn't think this was one of them. I know, you know, he's not littered all over the score sheet, but I still thought that this was a, a pretty solid night from Elias Pettersson. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Elias Pettersson, it's his hockey. When, when he's on... And his hockey IQ is, is there. Like there's there's very few players that are when they're on top of their game are better than Elias Pettersson. I think when he's engaged, and I think that's the biggest thing is some of the time, some of the games of late, he might have not looked that interested. But the problem is, is he's still putting up numbers. So for all the people that are saying, "Where's Petey?" I mean, yeah, he's ending up on the score sheet, but it's it's the engagement. It's it's looking like you're interested. And I mean, yes, I, I maybe some of the stuff is getting to him a little bit, and you know he's hearing and seeing things. But from when he stepped on the ice tonight, you knew he was on a mission. And obviously that play, and there's a couple other chances that he had that he could have scored as well. So um, I'm not worried about Elias Pettersson at all on this team. I, I think there's just some other guys that you need to worry about a little bit more. I thought that he, that he was good to start this game, and you know what? Not really really bad that all the way through had the assist took a penalty in the third yeah. period 18 minutes and three seconds of ice time three shots on goal six attempts so he had the puck on his stick a fair bit in the offensive zone i had a hit had a block shot as well and a saw off in the face-off circle goes four for four so uh, yeah i don't think you can say he was invisible in this hockey game but ultimately you want and need him to be a little bit more productive but uh, that goes across the board there are a bunch of guys that uh, they need a little bit more from here uh, as they try to iron out the, the wrinkles in their game, one win in their last six. All right. As we wrap up, the Los Angeles Kings come in here on Thursday. First look of the season. This is a divisional opponent, geographically not that far, obviously, down the coast. And it takes until game 61 on the 29th of February, by the way a leap year game, and they are going to get a steady diet of the Kings now. Yeah. They see them this week here, next week down at Crypto.com. 
Kings are back here in late March. And then the Canucks are there in Los Angeles in early April, I think by my count. I mean, they've got 21 games to go. So four of the final 21, but more than that, it's four of the next 16 are against the Los Angeles Kings. And it's interesting because it's a really conceivable first-round playoff matchup. Yeah, and I think when you look at it, the NHL schedule makers, I think they want to have these type of games with, within your division. And you look all around the league, I think a lot of teams will be playing their divisional opponents um, as we go down the stretch here. So that's the one thing. The games are exciting. And I think that that's the big thing. So, you know, the Canucks play them four times here down the stretch. You could play them another seven times in the first round of the playoffs. So get used to the LA Kings Canucks fans. Get used to that lineup of of seeing different guys, you know, um, come in and out of the lineup there or come in and out of the lineup and, and who the Canucks are going to familiarize themselves with. It's going to be a mini playoff series before the playoffs, which is what really what it could be. Sure. And look, if either side sweeps, like if the Kings were to sweep the Canucks, and it's unlikely in a four-game set that one team is going to win all four, but if the Kings were to beat the Canucks all four, I mean, that would put a real crimp in the Canucks' plans on staying atop the Pacific Division and the Western Conference. But alternatively, if the Canucks were to sweep the Kings, like they might push the Kings right out of the playoff picture altogether. So the stakes are pretty significant for both teams. And with four games head-to-head remaining, I mean, that comprises a, a, a big percentage of the remaining schedules of both the Canucks and the Kings. It all gets going on Thursday. Uh, on this night, it was the Pittsburgh Penguins who hung around and give them credit. And in the end, they were able to pull it out in overtime uh, come back from a goal down, go into the third period. Lars Eller tied it, and Eric Carlson wins it. A minute and 42 seconds into overtime on a rebound, his eighth of the season. For Irfan Gaffar, this is Jeff Patterson. That's going to do it for this edition of Rinkwide Vancouver. The Penguins over the Vancouver Canucks by a score of 4-3. to three. Again, thanks so much for listening. We'll do another one after the game against the Kings on Thursday. This is Rinkwide Vancouver.